4: PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Greetings, Meltopians. Mark here, wanting to thank you for tuning in to the conclusion, for now, Of the damnation machine to mark this very special occasion we'd like to take a moment to share some details with you about our upcoming lineup and plans for the future in order to provide you with our best possible effort we'll be moving to one episode per week starting next thursday producing two episodes a week for so long has been an incredible experience but we can't deny that it's taken a toll on our small three-man creative team Like everyone else, the past year, especially, has made things all the more difficult. After some heavy thinking and a great deal of discussion, we've decided it's time for us to up our game with a complete overhaul of our production process. One episode per week will allow us the time we need to bring our best possible effort to the writing, editing, acting, and post-production of our show. Coupled with some equipment and software upgrades we're excited to get into, our goal for the foreseeable future is to focus on quality as well as an engagement with you via Discord and Patreon. All of this will lead to better stories with higher production value and a streamlined, consistent approach to our lineup, including a more organized presentation of our body of work thus far. As for what you can expect next, we'll be starting next week with a Season 1 remaster of the Red Mother series, featuring a recast Genevieve voiced by the amazing Kelly Bear, who you'll recognize as Antonia, Aunt Bertie, and the Gun Maiden from the Damnation Machine, among other roles. This first season of Red Mother will encompass the story as you know it so far, and allow us time to finish the first season of a brand new series we're very excited about called The Sleep-Wake Cycle, featuring two neurodivergent protagonists. Given the Maltopia team's personal life experiences with various neurological conditions and mental health issues, we're incredibly excited to explore the comparatively underrepresented topic of neurodiversity through our dark fiction. We know there are a great many Shepherd of Wolves and Red Mother fans out there, so season one of the Sleep-Wake cycle will be directly followed by the second and likely final season of Red Mother. As for the Damnation Machine, it's highly likely the next installment, titled Children of the Machine, will air soon after Red Mother comes to a close. Going forward, We'll be sharing exclusive sneak peeks like sample clips, the sleep-wake logo, and more on our Patreon. So stop by and consider joining our growing community at patreon.com forward slash Maltopia. We'll also be releasing our Discord links soon, so stay tuned for that. Steve, Walker, and I can't thank you enough for helping make the Maltopia podcast what it is today. We truly appreciate your continued support, and we think these plans will give you the most memorable Maltopia experience yet. Thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, enjoy the show. Every sapien lapped and dead witch gathered in the rubble of Cherry Street, the corpse of the previous fog pooling at their feet, a witch-gathered storm grumbling overhead. They didn't realize it, but they all comprised a pyramid. The wanderers formed the base, the passengers the upper extents, and at its apex, the woman with oblivion for eyes. Lynn was the void-shaped heart beating at the center of their last hope, and she couldn't care less for any of them. Her thoughts were like distant stars weakly twinkling in patches of deepest night, dim and doubtful. Even her words seemed to come from somewhere far away, perhaps spoken by someone else entirely. She was almost gone, sliding down the throat of the void, passing into the bowels of silence. As she looked through the streets, only the nothingness peered back, pleading its case, that everything and everyone would be better off for never having existed. It promised. Mars's shadow still throbbed red at his side as he clutched Lynn by the shoulders. She hadn't so much as flinched in minutes, just stared into nothing. Don't leave us now, Lynn. Fight it! He pulled her behind Cromwell, where he stood cold and colossal at the back of the crowd, obscuring the scene from a wider audience. The Warbringers' eyes forced their way into Lynn's, pushing back the Oblivion, a small but decisive war raging. A hint of sclera emerged at the edges of her eyes, her breathing returning. She removed Mars's hands from her shoulders and nodded almost mechanically.
2: I'm okay now, thanks,
0: was all she said before walking back around the Dead Knot, staring into the throngs of Malsapiens, hopeless monsters made for the germination of doom after doom after doom. She could see that clearly now. The void granted her sight beyond the pretenses of being. Everything was like a grotesque stain upon a perfectly dark pane of glass, a mirror. All she wanted to do was wipe the glass clean, to look upon her reflection. But Mars had lit a small fire in her darkness, a struggling warmth that reminded her, for now, that she was still alive, and that she was still their leader. Cherry Street concluded in a dead end, becoming a narrow dirt path wandering the dense forest, till at last alighting upon the slate barrens, where once the Yellow Sisters sacrificed to the gods of the red waters that pooled between the stone, hence the name of the place, the Gru Barrens. Situated upon the eastern end of the barrens, atop a jutting prominence of flattened stone, reddened by untold sacrifices, stood a massive stone pavilion a marvel of construction, considering it had been raised by the slender hands of elderly sisters. Yet no one believed they were truly alone in the effort. The so-called Mansion of the Yellow Sisters was the size of a three-story building and seemed sturdy enough to repel a tornado. It would make for the last stand of the Malsapiens. Lynn led them wordlessly through the windswept woods, where the thickets reached out from the darkness, clawing at them as they passed, and every shadow was a monster born of nightmare, solely designed for the eating of man, woman, and child. The sounds of hungry Carnivian followed them as they went. Some of the creatures offered hideous words instead of caterwauls and shrieks, pleading with them to return and offer themselves peacefully to a merciful devouring. And above it all hung the dim but strengthening chorus of dead witches, chanting from somewhere between worlds their words summoning bloody light from their rotting city. The night widened as the forest knelt before the stone barons, perhaps paying homage to the ageless stone that preceded it by more than a millennium. Once the children of the machine had come past the woods, the pavilion lurched into view, its stony face riven by witch symbols and thickly strewn with vines and scrub brush. The dead not easily slid aside the massive stone that obscured the opening, smiling as he proffered the entrance with a massive sweeping bow.
5: Come one and all, take your seats for this, the final act of the evening, and perhaps all eternity.
0: Lynn smirked at the giant's humor, convincing herself of the worsening state of her detachment. With their shadows returned from red to black, the rank-and-file Malsapiens nervously crept past the dead knot, whipped dogs once more. Only the wanderers and the passengers, and the few dead witchers who possessed the requisite spine, turned away from the pavilion, prepared to hold the Carnivian within the city, till whatever was to happen, happened. Theodore, eyes translucent, showing the hollow orbits of whited bone beneath gazed upon the crimson glow of Deadwitch as it radiated over the line of trees. Just above, a storm of surely preternatural origin wheeled with purpose. It's a tricky calculation to make, but from what I can tell, the conclusion of the witch's work should reach its apex at about 3 a.m. on the Freckle, which seems in keeping with the way of such things. Heath diverted his eyes from the supernatural sights to look upon the nearby Dead Knot. I do value promptness. Surely it must be as characteristic of godliness as cleanliness.
5: Since no man has ever been late for his own demise, I suspect you may be on to something, my sonorous friend.
0: The pale Goliath grinned. When the champions of the Mal Sapiens made their way back to Cherry Street, they found Kawaiya Sira weary from their work, a conjurer of illusions who could replicate every characteristic of whatever they sought to reproduce, save, of course, for solidity. The conjurer had filled the city with the illusion of its now former occupants, keeping the Carnivian within the city and on the hunt, stalking empty streets and hollow alleyways for the flitting presence of a meal. The Malsapien was nearly a ghost from constant exertion, sacrificing their own reality for that which they conjured. Even Lin's memory of the Illusionist was weak, Kauai Asira's very existence fading. Should Lin have had them continue their work, and not dismissed them back to the pavilion, the Illusionist would have been forgotten by one and all, an illusion no one believed in. The Malsapiens entered the ruined city square to no ceremony, simply as those who would kill or be killed, all of them ready for either. An air of finality hung overhead as surely as the storm, in the carnivian rush from the darkness of the witch-doomed city like festering floodwater. Veronica stepped to the fore and extended her arms to a portion of the horde. Fingers spread, palms up.
3: Come get some, fuckers.
0: The resulting stream of glowing hot lead splashed across the monsters where they entered the square from Decanter Avenue, stripping flesh from bone and splintering bone from joint. Keith joined his power with hers, enhancing the raucous sound of gunfire to a level of apocalyptic fury, projecting it into the gangs of endless teeth and hunger that threatened to overwhelm them. Waves of shredded monsters toppled backward into the darkness. Their cries drowned within a frothing ocean of sound and fury. But still they came. Replacing the fallen monsters stretched a mantis-like thing. It darted through the street at a speed that kept it out in front of the gunmaiden's roaring jet bullets. Heath seized the renewed calamity of Veronica's barrage preparing to project it as a wall of destructive sound that the incoming monster would be hard-pressed to dodge. As the conductor trained his power upon the streaking insectoid, the ground beneath him erupted, yielding a hideous cluster of claws and snapping jaws, all affixed to a darksome fusion of moles and howling wolves. Smashing further upward through the street to accommodate its ever-widening bulk, the chimera sent the duo toppling backwards, Back on their feet in moments, Keith and Veronica, as well as the rest of the Malsapiens, tightened their ranks, preparing for the new oncomers. Mars was already deep within the ranks of the Carnivian that had come roaring out of the south end of the square. His shadow becoming gigantic, godlike, fiery. The suggestion of a billowing red sword in its hand. The warbringer was mad with violence more storm than man. The warring spirit fully infusing his shape-shifting weapon, Mars laid devastation across the hordes of rapacious invaders, his movement a blur, his mind a killing fire. Even now, with battle fully joined, his mind went to Lynn, and the thing that looked back from her eyes, that was not her, that was not anything. It tried to open a doorway into him, to a place of cold, everlasting silence only to see it slammed shut by the warring spirit's blistering reproach. He also wondered about the Harrowers. His former friends he'd left to die. Where were they? Have they been killed? Were they waiting for him? Was their fate his fault? He let it all go. To burn in the inferno. He wanted to forget everything. To become war. Doubling back to return to the line of his fellow defenders, Falling viciously upon whatever survived his first pass, a strange white dome breached the Earth before him, barring his path. The object pulsed momentarily as the Warbringer studied it, its outer membrane being tried from within by what appeared to be thousands of tiny hands. Exploding in an organic spray of caustic fluids, the membrane splattered Mars with countless squirming, mite looking creatures, all trying to bury themselves in his flesh. The stricken warrior collapsed to the ground as he tore at the creatures chewing their way into him. Growing desperate, he could hear more of the domes emerging all around him. The ground shook at the approach of something gigantic, and the dead knot smiled. As was becoming custom, though certainly not unreasonable, the biggest and most prodigious fiends were always left to him. the carnivian finally came into view it was every inch a giant partaking somewhat evenly from what could only have been a sperm whale a man and a shark the zotha was enormous enhancing its already fearsome aspect was the immense cloak of animal pelts that fell from its shoulders every great mammal including man was stitched into its length in its hands the beast wielded a massive hammer likely made from whalebone and a girding of coldest iron. Its eyes were small and glittering, black gems for directing all the destruction it promised. Eric looked on through Cromwell's eyes, lost in thought. I wonder what precise doom we caught, brother. It's easy enough to see, now, that we were all made to come undone. Our guts to spill open, reveal some hell or another. All in. She does seem to have gotten the worst of it. Remember the Sapien? from Curious Forest? Right before he died, he bloomed, a perfected devil, right before our eyes. The Dead Knot caught the gargantuan Carnivian's descending hammer, crushing it in his grasp before turning his thoughts to his brother.
5: Perfect, you say? Perhaps, but no less vulnerable. Possibly more so for the fact. But that's not what you're on about, is it?
0: The giant whale thing stumbled through the city clock tower, reeling from the destructive uppercut dealt it by the pale goliath. No, it isn't. The path to becoming, to blooming. It seems so clear for the others. They need only overindulge in the machine's gift. Allow the sorrow of their burden to engulf them. All save us. You and I. We appear to have no path to becoming. There's no limit to us. No ceiling for us to hit. My sorrow is from before. My own. Not the
5: machine's. How could death bloom, dear brother? It is like eternity. It is all that it will ever be. Graveyards may grow year over year, becoming mountains of bones, but the reaper is never fatter for his spoils. We are made in death's image, and we are whole unto ourselves.
0: The carnivorous behemoth double-fisted the deathly oversapien with the force of a bomb cratering him into the ground. By ourselves, you mean. These are my friends, and yet they are already ghosts. Hazel. The dead knot fueled his next blow against the Carnivian with purest anger over his inability to bring peace to his troubled brother. The whale thing soared through the city, crashing through one building after the next until it was lost to view. The echoes of the monster's journey were nearly indistinguishable from the roaring thunder. The storm above finally breaking but did not return to his discussion.
5: Therein lies the distinction, perhaps. You must understand, Eric. They were all dead the second they exited the machine. Their impending demise, only waiting to take them if the machine wants them to go. But you were dead before all of this. It seems either we were a miscalculation, or the machine would have something else from us
0: eric's attention was pulled away from his brother's conclusion by something moving at the corner of his eye something dead yet not lynn watched as if in a stupor as the carnivian drew closer her mind all but lost to nothingness and then she saw mars lifted from the ground upon which he writhed by azotha a thing sporting the most hideous traits of spider and woman and termite a thing could possess, while still adhering to a humanoid shape. The beast was tall and lank, save for the swollen white pustules that pulsed along the course of its elongated spine. The thing caught the Sunstealer staring at it over the line of demonic combatants. It lifted its squirming victim up for her to see, smiling through thickets of long, pointed teeth. Something in the void pulled at her to look away, leave the world to itself, to abandon its struggles, its deaths. After all, they meant nothing. She remembered the day they met. The day she first came to the house on Lineage Street, when she first laid eyes upon the man with the outlandish name. She knew, even then, there was something between them, be it loss, pain, stubbornness, whatever. She knew she could love the man. And she knew, she knew he already loved her. Every day since, they'd been pulled apart. By monsters, machines, movies, perhaps even by gods. But not today. Not now. Mars! She finally cried out, her blue eyes breaking through, tears washing away shadows. She seized the void in an unbreakable mental grip surrendering nothing of herself for the effort, and released it into the spaces separating her and the monster who would kill the man she loved. Oblivion overflowed Philbin Street, swallowing the matter and space and monsters that lurked there. With the intervening space removed, the Void Mother and Zotha were now face to mob. Rage made a terrible thing of Lynn's expression as the spider hag thrust out a venom-slick pincer, Lynn let it sink into her void, where one hunger would feast upon the other. Lynn gently lifted Mars from the monster's grip as it screeched into nullity. She purged the acidic things that struggled to make their way into his body, fleeing the company of oblivion. Once Mars was freed from the things, she pressed him close to her, growling over the churning void.
5: I do love you, goddammit.
0: Then came a faint whisper from the limp form clutched in her arms.
5: Me, too.
0: Beneath the cover of the bygones, Hazel's term for the past, the regressor crept through the red glowing city till at last the monster within her found what it hunted, the Mindwalker. The astro sapien observed the war from on high, looking down from an angry sky that raged to the tune of dead witches. The Mindwalker didn't see it coming. Baal mentally pulled him from the sky, hurling whatever constituted his form into a deserted alleyway. The mentalist certainly couldn't have expected what was coming next. Baal marshalled his newfound power channeling a bolt of purest temporal energy into the astral psychic, dragging him backwards through time, back to when he had a body. As the mal sapien cried out and began solidifying before Hazel's captive eyes, she felt Baal sorting through the man's mind, looking for something, an extremely specific passage through mind space. Baal's satisfaction was palpable when at last he found what he sought. Moments later, Hazel and Baal both seemed to be somewhere else, in deep space, nebulae turning all around. Spider Black's crooked shadow emerged before them.
1: There's been a change in plan, my friend, my great horned king. While you will still be given what was promised, I need you to do me one last
0: favor." Hazel tried to speak, curse her former mentor into oblivion. But Baal would not allow it, and so she was forced into silence. Baal's eyes focused on Spider, smoldering.
5: I do not look kindly upon those who would seek to trick me, Pymander. Let us hope you are not such a creature. Now, ask me this favor of yours, and hope I find it agreeable."
0: Spider's face was inscrutable
1: as always. "'I need only for you to destroy the Carnivian and defend the city until I can have my forces deal with things more fully. To accomplish this, I will be granting your most fervent wish early. I will have the remains of your people brought to you now, so that you might raise them back up and take your vengeance in even greater measure than we discussed." Baal grinned with a thousand teeth. Why, this is a favor to me, Pymander.
5: <laughs> of course, I will see it done.
0: The strange place of corkscrewing nebulae and infinite space vanished. The pair were back in the alley of Deadwitch the astromal malsapien unconscious and human, before them. Instantly, she realized that Baal had no intention of doing what he'd been told. A far greater bounty had been discovered. The regressor's eyes widened with the realization.
3: You piece of shit. You're going to eat all of us,
2: our brains, steal our powers for yourselves. You and your fucking filthy race, the Vingal.
0: Baal only snickered at her outburst.
5: It seems I was wrong, little one. I have indeed come for you and yours.
0: Something massive stepped into the alleyway, its dead stare lying cold across the scene.
5: My eyes did not deceive me after all. Twas indeed you, dear Hazel. Who I spied, crossing the city, but tell me why are you here?
0: Hazel looked up at the pale giant, offering a smile that had no place upon her lips.
5: <laughs> why
3: I intend to pry you and your kind's brains loose from your simian skulls and then sup upon the stolen power therein.
0: The deadknot smiled,
5: ah, there you are. Little ghost, I was curious how long it would take you to finally find your tongue. You didn't think you could hide forever, did you? You've been pampered, corpse giant, made too bold for too
3: many victories over inferior adversaries. This, I can change for you.
0: Baal seized the Dead Knot with such telekinetic force that the bony plates of armor surrounding his body cracked and flaked.
3: You see?
2: This is true power. Power that fells armies and pulls down gods.
0: The pale goliath smiled as only the dead can.
5: Indeed, I do see.
0: Shifting into an ectoplasmic wraith, the giant slipped his bonds.
5: Perhaps those armies and gods you spoke of were a tad less superior than you were led to believe. Yes.
0: Baal returned the giant's grin.
3: Not likely.
0: Another blast of temporal energy ripped free from Hazel's stolen body, regressing the knot back into solid form. The pale goliath seemed puzzled for an instant, an instant the horned king used to project an unearthly volume of telekinetic force at the stymied monster. Now quite used to the constant detonation of this or that supernal force, the city shook almost from habit the wake of the telekinetic glass revealing more craters and more debris. This time, however, Dead Witch pieced itself back together, the red glow and commensurate witch chanting lifting the city back into shape. There even dawned movement within the glowing structures, lurching shapes melting from without the deepening shadows, stumbling beyond red and yellow rooms alike, called forth, no doubt, by certain Risen Witches. The Dead Knot rose from where the earth had caught him, in so much piled dirt and crushed stone and tumbled tree. It was easily the most powerful blow he'd ever received. His body cracked in bleeding cold mist. Eric pleaded with his brother. Please, please, we must save her, somehow. You can't fall to this creature, whatever the hell it is that has her. There must be a way yet to free her. For the first time, the Deadnaut was too focused on external matters to speak with his brother. The gigantic Malsapian could feel the presence of the other hovering nearby. "'Twas quite a blow, I must confess," the Deadnaut conceded, looking to where the thing wearing Hazel's body floated.
5: "'But, as you can see, here I still stand.'"
0: Another torrent of temporal energy engulfed the giant, shrinking him back into a thin, trembling man. Eric's eyes fell pleadingly upon what appeared to be Hazel. Please, whatever you are, just... please just just listen to me. Don't... uh, please don't hurt her. Perhaps I can... Eric was pulled close to Hazel by what seemed huge, invisible hands. The regressor spoke but with a voice that
5: teemed with devils. First, know that I am Baal, the horned king of the Vengal. And know that I am heir to this world. And I have no need of you, little thing, alive or dead. Though, I will have to see to a proper means of keeping you alive and powerless forever. Perhaps bind you, limbless and hopeless beneath the earth, where you can remember her and the rest of them while you listen to the stone crack from old age."
0: Eric could see Hazel's face was wrinkled and gray, eyes filled with tears. "'You bastard! You're killing her! It's... it's her power, you idiot!' It can't be used so recklessly.
5: Oh, but it can, little thing. It can, indeed. You see, she and I are one. Now. I'll simply use her up before switching to my own far more considerable resources. This will be her life. From now on, my anchor within the living world, her power and vitality to be used or misused,
0: however I deem fit. The pale Englishman struggled uselessly, gritting his teeth. The thing behind Hazel's flesh grinned at the display, but then her face began to contort as something broke through the demonic expression of glee.
3: I love you, Eric. Please, stop him. I'll try to help from the inside.
0: Hazel, the true Hazel, reached out and pressed the button beneath the Englishman's sleeve, killing him, transforming him.
5: How? Back to the darkness with you? Bao roared,
0: extending an arm in Eric's direction, presumably to undo his death with yet another torrent of temporal energy. When nothing happened, he roared
5: again. Mouth sapien witch. No matter. I can still become what I was meant to become.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. Sold! Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45
2: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science. With beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
0: Hazel and Eric fell away from each other atop the small hill, each transforming into something terrible. The sound of the Englishman's flesh ripping and bones swelling mixed with the twisting and contorting of Hazel's regressing skin and the horns that spiraled out from her skull. Two monsters from beyond death rose from where they had fallen as man and
5: woman. I believe I owe you something. Val, horned king of the vengo.
0: The dead knot's fist collided with the face of the resurrected monarch, the impact flensing the hill to the bedrock of its prehistoric bones. Val was blasted into the basaltic stone of a nearby cliff, a spiraling length of the monster's horn snapping off. The enormous Malsapien charging like a white bull collapsed the cliff as he crashed into his dazed feet sending boulders whistling through the sky like morning birds.
5: If death will not take you, corpse creature, then I will bury you in a tomb of forgotten epochs, where you and your human can stagnate and shriek for all of eternity.
0: Baal brought down an edifice of telekinetic power unto that of a falling mountain. The pale Goliath disappeared into the erupting earth as clouds of dust lifted to block out the sun. Dispelling the germinating silence of the aftermath, the dead knot shrugged off thousands of tons of rock and dirt, striding up the incline of cratered earth, his pale armor broken off in places, the ashen flesh beneath
5: torn open and bloodless. Time has much sway over killing, to be sure, but not death, death is beyond time, Baal, and should time seek to pick the reaper's pockets, and the reaper shall come to reclaim his property."
0: Telekinetically pushing the knot's arms down to his sides, Baal dashed forward and swung a mentally reinforced haymaker at the advancing Malsapien, no doubt hoping the giant's injuries would keep him from becoming an intangible wraith again eschewing his non-material form the pale giant forced his arms through the invisible barrier a demonstration the resulting displacement of mental force threw the barreling vengel to the ground wide fissures opening within the already fractured earth the dead knot reached the fallen king and stomped his foot down upon the creature's head corkscrewing horns snapping and cracking bloody teeth skittering val reached up and caught the goliath's foot snapping it at the ankle and pushing him off his feet. The undead Malsapien only floated above the ground, his cold fog keeping him upright. I'll not be cheated, my destiny, corpse. Bow roared to his feet and lunged at the hovering dead knot, seizing him by the face, tearing away the expanse of bone that masked it. The pallid face beneath was Eric's, monstrously oversized and grinning a rictus of cracked teeth. Eyes white as cemetery snow. Baal sneered into his adversary's dead eyes. My fate is. The Dead Knot reached up and seized Baal's right hand where it gripped the giant's faceplate, forcing the King of the Vengal to replace it whence it came. Once in position, the bony covering slid back into place, obscuring a horrible truth. Baal wrenched his hand free of the Dead Knot's grip and stepped back.
5: Poor, poor king. Fate is but a jury of hangmen, and we are all bound for the gallows.
0: The giant moved closer, hands outstretched. Baal roared once again, this time straining for all he was worth.
5: The power is mine, witch, and I shall claim it.
0: Now! A frenzy of temporal power fled from the horned king's eyes and mouth. Lashing the dead knot like forking lightning, each strike driving the monster from the man, until finally Eric, once again, stood revealed. Before he took his first breath, he was telekinetically plucked from the ground and slammed against a nearby boulder, arms and legs outstretched. Baal marched towards the hopeless Malsapien, psychokinetically beating and slashing him as he came, though the Vengel seemed careful not to inflict another death upon him and so repeat recent events. Baal was saying something, gloating more than likely, but all the Englishmen could hear were the wet sounds of colonial fists smashing across his face, drilling him into death. And he could hear Elizabeth, his wife-to-be, screaming. All he wanted was to make them stop hurting her, the woman he loved with all his heart, and they killed him for it. He would never see her again. The world came back into focus, and Baal was in the middle of a monologue.
5: You will be denied both life and death for this little fool. But fear not, I will look in on you from time to time to make sure you have not forgotten me.
0: Baal turned towards the red glow that now almost touched the belly of the swirling storm
5: and when the remains of my people are returned to me, it will be by your woman-creature's power that I shall make them whole once more. I think I would like very much for you to see what we do with the rest of your... It's...
0: it's alright. I understand now. Eric nodded as he interrupted the monster, his eyes unfocused, wild, I made the same mistake myself.
5: Baal growled at the interruption. I do not make mistakes, creature.
0: Oh, but you did. You did. You can't keep me from death. I once thought the same thing, but I was wrong. Eric's eyes went white as he spoke, his skin paling as it frosted over, his breath a cold mist.
5: But I was never alive. alive. All this time, you see, I was already dead.
0: Massive skeletal wings tore outward from Eric's back, ashen feathers twisting in the cold air, a dancing ring of bones circling his pale head.
5: No, not even time may pilfer from death, and you have taken far more than your share, little ghost of a bygone king.
0: Eric's ghastly wings lifted him from the stone and thrust him down upon the Horned King, who tried in vain, with both powers of time and mind, to dislodge the Englishman's skeletal hands. Be gone now, little shade, Eric whispered into the monster's
1: ear.
5: Go back into the shadow of death whence you came. Return again, and I will put you in a place so deep and horrible. Even the shadows try out
0: for light. Eric's hands reached into the fragile balance of life and death, tipping the scales back whence they belonged, where ghosts must accept their place beyond the light, save for the chosen few who are called upon to remind life and light of their own place in the balance. The being that was neither Eric nor the deadnaught pulled the apostate soul from where it coiled around Hazel's, desperate to taste the light once more, and flung it into the shadows of the past where it belonged. Baal roared as his spirit slipped back between the cracks of life and death, replaced upon his prehistoric throne, amid the solemn shapes of his departed kind, to dream forever of revenge and resurrection. Hazel opened her eyes, and smiled through her tears.
2: Eric, my God, you're alive!
0: The shadow of the dead Englishman nodded solemnly, wiped a tear from her cheek, and whispered,
5: Perhaps, someday...
0: An expanse of twisted chimeral corpses stretched back in droves from where aunt birdie's eyes had opened two charnel moons filled with bottomless death the resulting pause in battle allowed lynn to pull her defenders back from the city retreating along the path they'd come the witch chanting had risen to ear-splitting volume the shapes within the resurrected houses of dead witch both wilder and wickeder. heath looked at his watch Punctuality, be damned, 3 a.m. on the freckle indeed. They all flattened out against the pavilion, turning to stare at the work of the Yellow Sisters, now in the throes of completion. The storm that haunted the heights above the city yawned wide, the phantom red lights pouring through the opening. Everything between heaven and earth began burning and tumbling skyward into the glowing gulf trees boulders acres of dust and debris chunks of pavement leaves and grasses and shrubs howling legions of carnivores from outer space entire hectares of the surface of the earth scrubbed clean by the inhalation of a scarlet abyss the sound of the thing reached such a volume as to obliterate itself into searing silence The crowd of Malsapians clung to the reassuring stones of the pavilion, seeking solidity as they looked on in horror and awe. Stooping shapes that once haunted certain rooms within the city's houses stepped out into the burning light, joined by what might have been three women, perhaps sisters, holding hands. When all the figures yielded to the forces blazing above them, there came one last sound as if every witch that had ever been raised their poisonous voices all at once. It was a shriek that bowed the trees of the surrounding forest and set the clouds ablaze. The storm turned upon itself, a serpent devouring its own tail, until there remained nothing left of it, only a pocket of humbled night sky clutching at the undimmed stars. The city and her wicked sisters were gone, and only the trailing rain and darkness remained. The male sapiens stood silently beneath the rain, listening to it fall upon the rough stone of the pavilion, the wind rising and falling. Slowly, they began to notice what the night's chaos had obscured. Behind the pavilion, a mountain kingdom of strange towers and darksome minarets hovered above the barren ground. At its base, a massive gate opened, revealing an approaching Antonia. She crossed the distance to the pavilion, her eyes light and playful as they fell upon Keith.
1: <laughs> I just came by to hear you sing.
0: The conductor smiled as only he could beneath the parting clouds of the vanishing storm. We'd like to thank our growing community of patrons for helping make the Damnation Machine and our exciting new equipment upgrades possible. Sarah Anzalone Debbie Carpenter Kurt Kornfeld Jonathan Shank Ian Hagen Noondu Toast David Gregory Thesis Ascendant Andrew Knott G-Man Kay Davis Nick Sarah Zartalumna Peter Coasera Luminarium, Abyssal B, ADHD Avery, John Nemechak, and a special welcome to our latest patron, Alyssa Lindler. Thank you so very much.
3: Hold up!